0: Welcome to Morning Coffee and Mimosas. I'm Christina. And I'm Joe. We are a father-daughter duo. We come here Sunday mornings, but you can come here anytime you please. We banter about life, about business, and we do it over coffee and mimosas.
1: Good morning, Christina.
0: Good morning, Faja. How are you? I'm doing very well, and good. good morning, listeners. Yes,
1: good morning, listeners. We have to be better at that. We have to say good morning to our listeners. Yes, because I was listening the other day and we didn't say it. <laughs> so I was saying, wait a minute, I'm a listener.
0: <laughs> so you are both. You are both a host and a listener.
1: I really am. Yeah,
0: you really like to hear yourself talk, huh? <laughs> <I>
1: guess so <laughs> I do. <laughs> he, he's our
0: best. He's our best listener. Yeah, our best the... fan. <laughs>
1: That's how we get our numbers. I played I, I listen fifty two times. To, yeah, no, I'm he kidding. gave us. He
0: gave us a nice review on Apple too. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs>
0: but that's good. It's authentic. Since it's you authentic, are a listener, I am a listener.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a wacky start, but anyway. Um, and I, I, listeners, I have to say that Christina, and not because she's my daughter, not because she fed me on uh, Easter. Oh, where's this going? You, you are an amazing cook. Her, she did Easter this year, and um, there were nine of us at the house, and she was amazing. The food was amazing. You made it seem easy, which I know it's not. Super
0: easy, barely an inconvenience.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Food was great, so.
0: Well, thanks, Dad. I was joking leading up to that because I have not, um, Brad would laugh because I haven't cooked in so long, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know, it just, I was inspired to have you guys over and I was very nervous because I hadn't cooked in so long and I thought that there was a, probable chance I might end up killing nine people <laughs> with my <laughs> no, cooking no, or disappointing everybody, you know, if things came out raw. Well, or... I might've,
1: I might if I died, it would have been from overeating because I ate so, so, yeah, so that was, much food.
0: That <laughs> was the problem. Cause I went shopping on Saturday and you, you know, do not shop hungry, just a PSA for all of those out there. I went to this Giuseppe's market in Ramsey, New Jersey. I know super Italian And I was so hungry going through there that I think I had to like, I had to freeze a stuffed pork loin that nobody even got to consume because I bought so much food and I got back and I was like, wait a second, what am I even cooking? There's nine, 10 people. One of them, like, you know, a little kid. So half a person not really eating that much. I was like, who do I think I'm feeding here? We had ham, lamb, roast beef beef. and, uh, the, the, the pork loin stuff. got yeah. put in the freezer. So
1: <laughs> I, I mean, no offense, Christina, but it is shopping one oh one that you do not go <laughs> to you the do food not go store hungry. hungry no.
0: And I I had a list of like what I wanted, but then it yeah, was just like I when I got to like the butcher area, I was like, um, that looks good. Oh, that that's probably good, right? That's good. And then you I just probably maxed kept... <laughs> out your credit
1: card just trying to buy it all. So
0: <laughs> I don't know. But it was um lots of leftovers. Yeah, well it was very it was a lot of fun though. It
1: was very, very good.
0: And everybody survived. Everyone left full. So yes, yes it, was it was a good, success. So, yeah. So listeners, happy Easter if you celebrated. It was also a special weekend for happy Passover. Mm-hmm. And also pretty cool. Um it's it's also Eid. So there are like three major holidays that all coincided this cool. past weekend, which yeah. is very, very cool. So happy everything to everybody that celebrates.
1: Very good, and if I'm not mistaken, when this drops, it will be Orthodox Easter, I think.
0: So happy Orthodox, Orthodox Easter, Easter to you Eastern too. Orthodox. So, and I'm sure yes. there's holidays we're missing. You know, we are not, uh, I have to get a better calendar that <laughs> briefs me on everything, but happy everything. Yeah, that's right,
1: that's right. <laughs> so uh, this, this episode, we're gonna talk about a term I'm going to give you the term right off the bat and then you'll all say what the heck is he talking about. But you'll get it when I say something right after it. But the term that we or the topic is a topic called survivorship bias. And I'm going to use that because something had always bothered me, the phrase they don't make things like they used to or the, you know that phrase that people use. And I remember You've when You've said that about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's true in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember, even as a kid, I remember people criticizing, you know, like a car. You'd get a new car. And and then the old folks, which is, you know, now replace me for that now. But
0: Now you're the one that says this.
1: I know. But the old folks of the day would say, yeah, it's nice, but they don't make them like they used to. You know, and I used to think, well, that's pretty neat. You know, I mean, they must have really made things, you know, pretty, pretty good. But what's really funny about that is that as I got older and you go through life, people would say it, like, so in other words, pick the car that, I'll use an example. Like, so my first car was a 1978 Pontiac Grand Am. Look it up. It's a rare car. I wish I still had it.
0: Oh, so you had Uh, a nice first car?
1: I did. Well, my first new car, I should say.
0: Oh, uh, new... no, why don't no, no, you no. tell us what your first car was It there. was a
1: 1964 Pontiac Tempest, which I also wish I still had.
0: Oh, that was nice, too?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, so look at you. But it was a strip at the time. But I bought that car in 1973, like, so it was 9, 10 years old, right? And I remember people saying, you know, well, it's 10 years old, but they don't make them like they used to, so you got a good car, right? Mm-hmm. Now, So they're criticizing the 1970 whatever. And I bought a 1978 Pontiac Grand Am and I remember people saying yes the car is very pretty but they don't make them like they used to like it's a piece of junk okay and it was actually the car was fantastic but it had stupid little problems like the little trim would pop off and the door you know the window would not work and stuff like that the car was gorgeous but it was typical GM garbage of the 1970s the reason I'm saying that
0: GM, he's coming for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the reason I'm saying this is that years later, like years later, people when they would say I'd say, Oh, I had a nineteen seventy and they ah, oh, that's when cars were made really well because it was now nineteen ninety something or two thousand or maybe
0: it's because GM GM finally like spiffed up their manufacturing maybe. process. <laughs>
1: But my point is this phrase this is what I never knew what it was but this concept is called survivorship bias. So what does that mean for our podcast? What survivorship bias causes is that we only tend to talk about or praise or analyze what is what has survived. And not the failures that haven't survived. And it's a big problem. And I'll be careful because we give advice here on this podcast. Well, but we, it's, we give good <laughs> advice. We talk. We talk. I don't know if we give advice. We take our
0: own advice, right. sometimes good, bad, or indifferent.
1: Correct. But very often, so you'll, people in motiva- writing motivational books or business success books and all that, what do they do? They're analyzing and using as a showcase the successes, right? So it's the Elon Musks, you know, and Jeff Bezos and the people who have made it. And very often, and I, I don't know whether they went to college or not, or I don't really care, but the, or, or like Bill Gates, they'll say, you know, college dropout, Michael Dell dropped out of college, Right. And they'll say, see, you don't need a college education or whatever and, and so on.
0: And that's a very common uh-huh. like a very common narrative among entrepreneurs. Yes. Is, you know, you're born with this, right? You don't necessarily need education in order to correct to get there.
1: And it's not untrue. Okay. It's not untrue at in, all.
0: In some cases, right? That's
1: correct. But what, what it ignores is that they have they whoever they is writing these books and talking about this or giving the advice ignore the tens of thousands of failures (laughs) because who talks about failures? Who talks about, you know, hi, I'm Joe Graziano and I failed in every business that I started. Oh, I'd like to interview you and see, you know, what mistakes you made. Nobody does that.
0: But I think that's what's so cool about as we've been going through and, you know, and we, we are going to get back to doing more interviews at some, you know, some point very soon, but I think it's a cool opportunity. And I always love the interviews when you, when you, start to break down with those successful people that everybody idolizes and you know they they feed from for inspiration and an example mm-hmm. but even those people that have been super successful I always love when you know the question is asked about the failures or you hear about all the failures it took to get there right because right. there's I think to the point of this survivorship bias we are often looking at those examples as like, the expectation, right? Versus Mm -hmm. the reality is, what are the things that you shouldn't do? Because probably those people are, if you looked at statistics, and I'm going to get way out of my skis here, (laughs) but if you were to look at statistics, they're going to be like one in a million, right? right? Correct. So you have a million people that didn't make it. So what's different about them than all these other people? And how do you look at like the most common denominator between the 900,999, <laughs> nine hundred thousand nine hundred ninety nine whatever. How do you look at the rest, right? Right? How do you look at the rest to say, okay, like what are some of the common factors that held people back from being like that one in the million?
1: right. and And it's very difficult because who volunteers to tell you, I'm talking about people who have never made it, so they fade into existence. And I'm not saying they fade away or they got a job. But we look at failures. So some of you listening might say, well, no, we do look at failures. We you know we know that so-and-so failed three times before they made a success. Thomas Edison, the whole famous, you know, failed a million times in the light bulb before it was a success. But if if you were to take, you know, the factors in all of these other failures, I'm not saying don't start a business or don't achieve something. And I'm not saying go to college or don't go to college or go to trade school or don't go to trade school. What I'm saying is be careful in only looking at the successes without also realizing that there are a lot of other, you know, uh, factors that cause people to fail. Um, In World War II, there's a very famous um, situation, if you, well, you know, famous Everyone's going to say, I never heard of this, but... Uh, <laughs> if
0: you're a history buff, this yeah, might be famous. famous to you.
1: But, um, so, bombers coming back from bombing missions, uh, initially, they were un- a doing a kind of a cross-section analyzing the bullet holes in the plane, like kind of mapping out where most of these planes were shot, and making a schematic of, and we'll put this this graphic in the in our promo for this episode... And saying that these are areas that maybe need to be reinforced. Well, there was a statistician named Abraham Wald who used this survivorship bias concept and said, well, wait a minute, you're you're analyzing all the bullet holes and this where those bullet holes ended up on the planes that came back. That might be where you don't need to put extra armor because... The planes that we don't have in front of us, right? Were shot elsewhere, like in other words, in different parts of the plane.
0: What he means is these planes were able to fly back.
1: <laughs> Correct.
0: <laughs> so there, that's the survivor bias. We're only that, right.
1: We're only we're biased because we, they only were analyzing the planes that made it back, not the poor airplanes and crews that were killed because they crashed, and we don't have them. Mm-hmm. So they armored the other you know as best they could better armor in other areas of the plane i
0: Does think that makes sense yeah it's, it's such a good way to be looking at it because it's like sometimes we you know you you look for what's right in front of you mm-hmm. and you miss the big picture and all of the things that like as you're making decisions or you're deciding to do something like we're not suggesting that you don't take risks. What we're suggesting is that there's two sides for you to look to, to really prepare yourself for what you might need to know in order to take measured risk and, and have more probability of success as you Mm -hmm. get involved in something new.
1: Correct. So this goes through. So go back to my analogy with the car. The reason people think cars or any kind of machinery or equipment was made better in the past is because, We only have the evidence in the present of those examples that have made it this far. The junk examples are gone. They were junked. They broke. They were discarded. Same with buildings. We look at buildings and we say, oh, it was magnificent. You know, the uh, gilded age of the late 1890s, the architecture of the 1890s. or, Well, guess what? The shacks. And the regular houses and stuff are gone because they were torn down, or they they broke down, or they
0: right. That one percent is what survived. That's and right. And we look at that as a whole for Correct. what what was we at one point in time. We see the mansions.
1: We see the bigger uh, the buildings that were so magnificent that nobody wanted to tear them down.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's so true. Like, and and I think that's where there's so much of perception is reality, right? Mm-hmm. That we we can only sometimes, you know, we, we capture what's right in front of us versus like really understanding. I think it's like, it's just such a good point, the architecture.
1: Yeah. It, it carries through. I mean, think of, you know, almost, almost anything that we can think of. We don't, you can either cannot because it's gone or we don't examine what did not make it to the present or did not make it to the top or did not make it, a success. You know, millions and millions of people have successful lives, but we don't know about them. They're not public. We only see the, and I don't mean top in good or bad. I'm just saying we only see the public. We only see what's, what is evidenced in front of us. So bringing this back to business and, and improving yourself and being smart about what we do is don't be you know, don't be blinded by the successes and only get motivated and excited by the successes of others or the example of others, but also seek out those that, if as best we can that you don't know about the failures or just the run of the mill and see what you can learn to make a well-rounded plan for yourself going forward.
0: I think about that even like a If you think about things that you know, look at things you're most proud of. If you look at some of the things that you know, our own failures or the things that you know, we talk about learning from mistakes. We talk about learning from the failures, and not in a scenario that you want to dwell on it. Mm -hmm. But same thing for us. Like just you know, as you think about yourself and your life, like how do you, and spend time focusing on how do I improve my like poorest quality. It was actually an interview with Glenn Taylor and he shared that and it was so inspiring. He said, as an organization, you should look at your biggest fail point and constantly be improving upon that. And then all of a sudden there's something else that becomes your biggest point of weakness and then you can improve on that. So it goes back to, I think, process improvement. But if we are spending, you know, you want to spend time obviously capitalizing on your best qualities but if you also look at what's my weakest link right like what's the what's the weakness that i have Mm -hmm. how do i how do i work to make that one percent better every day
1: that's true and glenn taylor by the way is is the founder of your company glenn
0: taylor is the chairman of the board for my organization taylor 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 corporation taylor corporation sorry yeah but he is incredibly inspiring individual so it was uh pretty cool
1: yeah but see that that's good so what what so this it is, ties
0: in nicely as we're talking about this,
1: yeah, yeah. This is not a this is not a negative conversation. And what I like about this is it's this is not you know a downer type situation. This is a reality situation. And I think too many people read motivational books, and everything is is about that you know the those that have succeeded and those who have succeeded and what their journeys are, but what about the people who haven't? Very hard to find out who they are because they're not broadcasting it. A lot to learn from that. And even like you just said, ourselves, what have we not done? I don't don't mean wrong, but but what have we not achieved? We all have weaknesses. Yeah, but what have we not achieved? Right, to that extent. What have we not achieved that we have wanted to? Just ask why. Like why? What was it? And what like,
0: cause there's probably common threads in, mm-hmm. in all failures that we have, there's probably some common threads that if we work on a particular quality or something, or eliminate something, or, or eliminate or whatever, something, right? there's a way for us to improve and get more of that success. And I think, you know, keeping all these like examples of like when we're consuming content and you're reading a book that somebody is giving advice You know they're looking at you know you talk about that survivorship bias. It's like okay, well take the good from that, but then how do how do we like how do we round out the whole just you know understanding of what it truly takes to be successful? Because I would bet you that if we were to interview 500 people, Mm -hmm. maybe all of them in the same field and all of them with the same goal or aspiration. And, you know, there was one of those people that succeeded and ended up hitting that goal, reaching that goal. What were, like, the commonalities between all of them? And what was that? Maybe it was one thing that that person did different. Mm-hmm. But, like, thinking about that, we, you'd probably learn a lot about different things that all those people did that helped make them successful or get them further along in the process. Mm-hmm. But also be wise to the things that you should avoid. And I think when we, if thinking back to some of, we did a series on resilience where we interviewed Chris Raina from the mm-hmm. Oakley Kitchen in Nutley, and he's an entrepreneur. And it was a really great conversation. If you didn't get to listen to it, go back. It's still out there. Yep. But he had given a really good uh, piece of advice because he was talking about as much as he's had success in his life, there was a you know business venture he got into that failed. Mm-hmm. And his piece of advice that he gave was that when he looked back and really thought through how he approached that particular deal versus others, it was that he was too confident going into right, it. right? And he failed to do all of the due diligence and planning mm-hmm. to make sure that he had a really good sense of what he needed to know and the risk that he was going to be taking That's on. Right. So I think sometimes... As we are succeeding that's sometimes like when when people say like what comes up what goes up must come down that's true but sometimes it doesn't have to be because I think sometimes people get so used to coasting and riding the wave up and they start feeling like you know that they've made it you've never made it right that we're always going uphill Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's always more growth right so I think like you've got to keep learning you've got to keep that curiosity So, that you keep asking the questions about the good, the bad, and just the indifferent, the general.
1: Well, and this competitive, uh, competitors that come out of the woodwork.
0: Right. Right. Because that's the way that you, you know, you kind of keep yourself sharp and Mm -hmm. keep growing versus stagnating and then failing because you felt like you made it. Because you may have made it, but now the world changed and now you've got to kind of go back and reassess. That's like the same thing with why people always feel like, they don't make it like they used to
1: <laughs> that's exactly right that's a very 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 true because all of the buildings you know use, use, using your example the buildings in the cars or whatever that were not so well made are not around anymore and we only see the the shining examples of the past in front of us you know what survive. they do
0: not say I'm, I'm trying to think of things they do not say this about I've never heard them say they don't make it like they used to when you're talking about like apparel, like bras and underwear and <laughs> <laughs> like workout clothes. They make that much better than they used to.
1: <laughs> right. Like I'm trying to think. I don't know about the bras. Well, no, su- <laughs> they,
0: But there's no survivor bias and things like that. And maybe it's because they're, those things are more temporary.
1: You know, I think because styles change lit. so rapidly that <laughs> as soon as it's out of style, it's it's history. It's gone and <laughs> we throw it away. I'm
0: going off on a tangent here, no, but I'm thinking tangent, about other tangent. things. And I just mm-hmm. think like music, would you say they don't make it like they used to? I actually would say they don't make it like they used to.
1: I would say today that's <laughs> absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. But e- e- even saying that, the song, and I'm in a band, right? And I play classic rock. So what do we play? We play... The best of the best. I'm not saying we play it the best (laughs) way. We play it. We play the best music that people remember that have been played over and over again. Do you know how many millions of songs and tens of thousands of artists that you don't know about from the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, right? And the 2000s that never, never ever got anywhere right
0: well and it's funny so when think you think about that and when you think back i just watched not too long ago i don't remember i think it was on hbo max it was a beatles documentary uh-huh. it was really cool it was it followed like just a, a whole bunch of it, it was kind of like just yeah, that was
1: a great did I, you watch it? I, I didn't see it but i know it was great oh yeah. how do you know because i've read that it was one of the best documentaries oh so.
0: Well, you didn't see it, so I think
1: I didn't see it. No, I'm, I'm being honest; I didn't see it. Okay, I don't well, have HBO it was Max, very cool. so I didn't
0: see it. It was very cool. There were there were some moments where it was kind of long because you literally just felt like you were sitting there in like a recording session where they were practicing and trying things out. So mm-hmm. there were times that you kind of literally felt like you were sitting there and you could feel even their own boredom. Right. <laughs> but it was it was very very cool. But the thing that I thought was super interesting was when they got to their final concert. Or their, it was like their final performance. And I think they were just doing it on like a rooftop in London.
2: Mm-hmm. It
0: was nothing big and it was private. They didn't tell anybody about it. It was just like a pop-up concert that they did. And they were up on this rooftop. They were performing. And you saw older people that were walking by that were covering their ears and saying, turn this off. This is garbage. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and then they got the police called on them. The police <laughs> shut them down. <laughs> And it's the Beatles. Right. Like we're like now everybody like, you know, we're going to see Paul McCartney. I'm so excited about that, by the way. But like, it's like this is that's history. And it's like a legend, an (laughs) absolute legend. But at the time, people were like, oh, my God, turn this off. Yeah. So I guess it's similar. Right. Where but I've been very sad and I've felt a lot older than I would like to admit as I like just turn on, you know, top 40. And I'm like, Wait, I don't know that I like this I I like it. <laughs> anymore.
1: And this should be the music I like, but I don't like I'm like, it. no, I want st-
0: to I I stay cool and relevant, but That's I'm struggling.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, so to wrap this up, the concept to kind of put this as plain as day and go back to my, since I love airplanes, you know, that airplane analogy. If you picture an airplane with all these red dots of where they mapped out the bullet holes in the planes that re- came back successfully, Look at where there are no dots, and remember that that is where this mathematician said that's where you build your armor. So to your point, Christina, I made a point. Our, in our lives and in analyzing how to improve and or how to develop and become a success, don't spend as much time with the successful people. See if you can find the failures and armor yourself to those weaknesses that they had or what they overlooked. That's the areas of the planes that you say, well, there's no bullet holes there. And that's right, because the planes that were shot in those areas did not come back. Yeah. And that's your in what Glenn Taylor said. You know, look at some of your You're weaknesses. You're only as strong as the...
0: your weakest link, right? Correct. So you've that gotta... is
1: the essence of this episode is to put this into perspective and either analyze it internally or look at others and try not to be blinded by those motivational books and stuff about the successes. Try to figure out how did people fail and what do I need to do to not end up in that? <laughs> yeah in that crashed airplane.
0: <laughs> well, and, so. and I think we're not telling you not to listen to people that are motivating and successful because you certainly should. The, I, that's right. where no, we no, listen no. all the time. Yeah. But round yourself out. Be well-rounded that's that's in, and and curious. Keep that spirit of curiosity so that you are consuming the inspiring content about how how all these people survived and succeeded. hmm and their stories of triumph, but also consuming what do I need to be aware of? So I don't fall into that same rabbit hole.
1: Very good. Thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome, dad.
1: This was good. So we hope you enjoyed this. Yeah. And thank you uh,
0: listeners. And if you all liked what you heard, mm -hmm. hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, tell a friend and tune in next week.
1: You got it. Wherever you are, whatever your story, thanks for spending time with us this morning. Now, Go and make a difference in your world.
0: I'm starting to rethink, Dad, the way that I've been looking at you as an example all these years.
1: (laughs) Just follow the failures. (laughs) There's plenty of them there. I'll I'll map them out for you. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.
0: Have a great week.